Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Full Service Radio. Full Service Radio. Welcome to Beer Me Radio. I'm your host, Sarah Jane, uh, normally recording live at the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. However, for this summer, we are doing Beer Me on the Road. We are still talking to all the different people that you are used to listening to on the show, brewers, importers, experts, to view the beer world through different lenses so that you get uh, different inputs about this vast and vibrant field. Whether you're new to beer or a seasoned professional, we will have something for you. So today I am uh, speaking on the phone with Neil Callahan. He is the brand manager for Cigar City Brewing uh, out of Tampa, Florida. Uh, I was just down there a couple days ago. Neil, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you for having me, sir, Jane. Yeah, excited to uh, excited to shoot the shit with you a little bit. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so thank you again for taking the time to show me the brewery. So if you could just kind of give our listeners maybe who aren't familiar with the brewery, you know, kind of a little elevator pitch on, you know, who you are, what you stand for. Sure, absolutely. So Cigar City Brewing, like you said, we're based in Tampa, Florida. We were founded in 2007 by Joey Rudner. He's a fifth-generation Floridian. He's lived his whole life in Tampa. Uh, and he really wanted to create a brewery that explained and, and sort of helped uh, get people excited about the history, the culture, and the cuisine of the Tampa Bay area. Um, it was a very underdeveloped beer scene back in 2007. There were six breweries in the entire Tampa Bay area. Um, so we've grown from just Joey and our brewmaster, Wayne, brewing beer in a tiny little unconditioned warehouse to um, 12 years later, we're now the second largest craft brewery in the state of Florida. We're distributed right now in 34 states and about 15 different countries. Um, our Highlight IPA, that's our big flagship beer, that one is the second best-selling craft six-pack in grocery stores in the entire country. And again, we're in just over 30 states right now. So um, yeah, we've, we, we've grown an awful lot, but really Tampa, Florida, and the history and the culture of Tampa is really what our brewery is all about, it's what's in, it, what has informed our recipes, our branding, the names of our beers. Um, you know, Tampa's home, and that's, uh, that's how we've gotten to where we are right now. And I want to touch on a few things there, but first, please note that it was, un, like, no air conditioning at all in this area where you're brewing beer. Um, and for those of you who've never been to Tampa, it's very, very hot and muggy for the majority of the year. So when you told me that, I was blown away that they were able to do it without air conditioning. Yeah, we we actually, um, this was about eight years ago, we introduced the beer called Hotter Than Hellas. Um, pe- people saw it and everybody thought it was a, a spice beer, a pepper beer, but it was really just in reference to the fact that our brewers would be, would work all day long, sweat their asses off on the brew house, and all they wanted was like a crisp, clean Hellas. So uh, even though the beer is not still around, the, the fact that, those guys were working in pretty swampy conditions. Uh, you know, it's really where that Hellas came about. It's, it's delicious beer, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, even the physical space in Tampa has informed what our brewery is. 
And, and something that also stood out to me uh, during our tour was the fact that, you know, even though you guys have this massive production, there's so much that's still done by hand. Absolutely. The kind of the tagline for the brewery is Echo Amano, uh, Spanish for made by hand. So really everything we do at the brewery is completely manual. You know, I remember showing you around the brewery, Sarah Jane, and um, pointing out, look, there's no computer on the brew house. There's no computer over here. Um, really no automation. When we're mashing in on our 15-barrel brew house, there's not even a mash mixer. So our brewer is getting up there with a wooden mash paddle, physically stirring around 1,100 pounds of grain and 465 gallons of water. So it's uh, certainly not the most efficient way in the, in the world to make beer, but it gives us control over the process. We're able to really manipulate the process from start to finish in a way that automation really doesn't allow you to. So it's, you know, not the most efficient way, but it's a point of pride for us, certainly. But even, even though you're making something by hand and, and even though, you know, the conditions around you are a little variable, the quality and the lab work is something that has uh, been such a priority to you all, correct? Absolutely. Um, and, you know, to speak very candidly with you, it was born out of some not-so-good beer in the early days. You know, it was born of some cross-contamination issues in the very early days. Thankfully, that beer never made it to market, but... Um, you know, in the early days, we, we had some less than stellar beer, and it, the quality has always been first and foremost for Joey and for Wayne and our entire staff. So really within a year or two of us opening, Joey started investing in personnel and equipment, really building a lab program and a QAQC program. Um, outside of maybe Yingling, we have the most technologically advanced and probably the most investment in our lab program in the state of Florida, which is awesome. So... Um, knowing the struggles we went through with consistency and quality in the early days. And again, you know, we were focused on quality, so that stuff never made it to market. It never made it on draft. But um, knowing that we did have some issues in the beginning, Joey really wants to be a, a steward for the industry as a whole. So if you're having issues in, you know, your whatever XYZ brewery in Tampa, we invite you to come to the brewery. Like, let's talk about how we can make beer better together. And please, like, let us... Do some, uh, do some work in the lab on your beer. Let's figure out what's going on, you know, whether it's running assays or figuring out, you know, um, DDK levels, if that's what your issues are. That's, that's stuff that we want to do for other brewers because really the rising tide carries all ships, especially locally. And I, I think that goes for the majority of craft breweries in the country. You know, if, uh, what's good for the goose is good for the gander, I think. Yeah, there's definitely a, a sense of community within the brewing world that I don't think you see in a lot of other, you know, kinds of businesses. Yeah, what other industry could you call up a competitor and say, hey, I'm having an issue. Can I come over and we can, you know, work on this together? Oh, yeah, of course. Or, you know, a local brewery in Tampa will call us up and say, hey, we're having an issue with our canning line. Oh, yeah, great. No problem. We'll send Larry, our packaging manager, over. He'll give you a hand. Like, no other industry could you do that. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. And then also, you know, and you and I talked about this a little bit the other day in that, you know, there's so many breweries that open up that they're, you know, they don't view that lab work as important or they don't have the ability or they don't allocate expenses that way. And I don't think there's enough weight put on it in that you really do need a consistent product. And there's so many variables in brewing that are you know, either out of your control or things that you have to monitor so, so, so closely that it's a wasted opportunity if you don't take the time to invest in that. You, you really do. It's, um, you know, again, you and I were talking uh, last week. It's 
the, the beer quality has to come first and foremost. If your branding is great and you have the best sales guys in the world, but the, the liquid is garbage, then you, it's, it's not going to work out. Um, but we're also in such a um, unforgiving world when it comes to craft beer right now that consumers have so many options. And even locally, even if you're not in a supermarket, if you're just trying to pick out which brewery you want to go to on a Saturday with, uh, you know, with the husband or the wife, there, there's so many options. So it's a very unforgiving beer community right now, just in the sense that, you know, the liquid has to be great first and foremost. But if the liquid's great and you walk into the, the tap room and the service is bad or you're not being served in a beer clean glass or, um, you know, if the, if the faucet is being stuck right into the beer as it's being poured, you know, those, those are little things that all of a sudden as a, a now much more educated beer community and beer consumer, you're going to move on to the next brewery. Or if, you know, the marketing, if you have some tone deaf marketer and they're still, you know, um, they're not catching up with what beer community is all about in 2019 and they're still using some, I don't know, maybe it's a sexist beer name or something like that. You know, there's still breweries doing that, which boggles my mind. You know, it's, you really, you, you can't get away with having mediocre branding or having mediocre social media or having, you know, mediocre presence in the market. There's so much going on and so many breweries that are doing exceptional beer that the quality beer should really be kind of the, the entry point or it should be kind of the, the threshold you have to cross. And then after that, you still have to find a way to stand out, even if your liquid is phenomenal. But the, the liquid being good is really the, the, the first step. Otherwise, you're, you're screwed. Yeah. No, I mean, I totally agree. And we talked about this where, you know, it's <laughs> you, you, you have to kind of realize this is a business. You know, there's kind of that romantic side, you know, to craft beer where, you know, I'm going to go in, I'm going to brew this amazing beer, and and you have to really stop and be like, nope, this is a this is a business. This is this is a business first and foremost. It it is, but it's different than other businesses. There, there's so much investment. I think starting with the staff, and obviously, you know, ownership and the staff should really be bought in and believe in what a brewery is doing. But consumers connect with a brewery in a way that I don't think consumers connect with most other. Um, consumable goods, you know, you're, you're sort of, you look at the breweries that partner up with a, a Budweiser or a Miller and the reaction and sort of the emotion that consumers, you know, send back to that brewery when they partner up like that. It just shows how invested they are a, as consumers in that brand. You know, they connect with the people behind the brand. They connect with the people in the tap room. They connect with, um, you know, really the, the packaging they connect with. And if all of a sudden, they feel like that message is not true or that message is coming from uh, a disingenuous place and they, they get upset. I'm sure Wicked Weed could tell you all about that. And, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's certainly something we saw a little bit of when we partnered up with Canarchy. Um, mm-hmm. But the reality of our Canarchy partnership is that we still operate completely independently and we're still Brewers Association defined independent brewers. It's really, the, our tagline is a little hokey, but um, I think it really speaks to what we're, what Canarchy is all about is we're independent together. Um, it's really about us coming together, combining source resources, and just putting more amazing beer out in the market. It's uh, it's been it's been a good partnership. I didn't mean to kind of turn a corner too quickly on on that at all, Sarah Jane. No, 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 you're all good. Um, and for those of you just tuning in, um, I am speaking with Neil Callahan. He's a brand manager at Cigar City Brewing in Tampa, Florida. So. 
you know, you all are distributed all over the U.S. and you said in 15 different countries. Right. So, and I want to talk to you specifically about the brand and, you know, kind of your focus of telling the story, you know, because that's what branding is, is you're telling a story, you're evoking emotion. How do you keep that true when you're going everywhere and you're going into markets that are so different from your own? You know, what are some of the, maybe what are some of the things that you focus on and then maybe what are some of the things that you've learned? You know, as we've grown um, and we've grown so quickly and so fast and so, sorry, I'm trying to find kind of an eloquent way to put this, but we've grown so quickly in the last couple of years that um, when we were naming our beers, when we were designing our beers, when we were coming up with that branding, we didn't have anything outside of Tampa, Florida, or really the greater Florida market in mind. You know, when we named something Highlier, when we named the beer um, Florida Cracker or Tokabaga, those are all very specific Tampa references. So certainly we weren't thinking about whether that was going to resonate with consumers in Colorado or in Southern California. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, knowing what we know now, we might have approached it a little differently. But for us, we always look at that as an opportunity to tell a story about Tampa. Again, Joey, the heart and soul of of the brewery really comes from Joey's appreciation for the, the town he grew up in and the culture around him. So, it's been difficult, but again, we always kind of look at it as an opportunity to tell a story and to get people excited about Tampa. What we have going for us at uh, a brewery in you know, Sheboygan, Wisconsin probably doesn't, is the fact that we're in Florida and everybody goes to Florida, whether it's to go you know, visit grandma or grandpa, whether it's to go down to Disney World, go down to the beach, spring training. You know, the, the likelihood is that you've probably visited Florida at some point in your life. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, all those are good things. You know, if you go down, oh, yeah, I went to Disney with the family and they had uh, High Lie. I was drinking High Lie at, you know, Epcot. It was so cool. Or, yeah, I was with my grandpa on the beach and we were drinking a Maduro. Those are all, yeah, I think, incredibly positive associations. So we really have a, a huge um, kind of leg up in that sense that you're probably familiar. If you're into craft beer and you visited Florida, you've probably had a Cigar City beer. Um, so that's really helped us tell the story. I think also we haven't dumbed down. We haven't diluted that story at all. You know, I think other brands, certainly outside of craft beer, but I think other brands in general might have looked at, okay, now we're in 15 states. We got to kind of reevaluate how much Florida we're throwing into the whole marketing here. Um, Mm -hmm. And we haven't, we haven't done that. We've really said Tampa, Florida is who we are. It's informed what we've done from day one. So why would we change that? Why would we, you know, kind of try to change the DNA of Harbor and what's made it successful. So um, it's, it's been challenging to kind of answer your question, Sarah Jane, but um, we're lucky enough to have great sales guys out there. I'm on the road uh, a ton. I'm actually in Meadville, Pennsylvania right now. Uh, so really having the sales team and, and having people that have been in the brewery and really immersed in the culture get out and tell the story around the world, that's been a huge asset. And, you know, are you – as you've grown in the U.S., but, you know, have there been challenges that you've run into expanding around the world as far as, you know, kind of getting your story out there? Because I think, you know, it's one thing to wrap your head around the U.S. It's another thing, I think, to wrap your head around, like, a specific area in Florida, and especially when you have a brewery that's so true to that place, 
you know, I think there's also in the story, you're telling the story of the place. And I, you know, it's like, I'm kind of asking, you know, how do you, there's a, there's always a predisposition about, you know, what, what America is, what Florida is, um, you know, kind of, how do you, how do you tell that story, you know, to another country? You know, the, the cans and the packaging really help tell that story from the get-go. You know, mm-hmm. every can explains why it's called, why Highlight is called Highlight and how that ties into Florida history. So certainly that helps. Um, again, making sure that our sales guys are educated and that they're um, kind of preaching the gospel of Tampa for sure. Um, you know, we, we also we, we lean, into, lean into some of those uh, ridiculous stereotypes about Florida as well. So we have a double IPA called Florida Man. Um, yes. are, you, are you familiar with the Twitter handle, yes. Florida Man? So if, uh, if, if listeners are not familiar, what is it? You, in Google, you can type in your birthday. You can say Florida Man and then type in the date of your birthday. And then, you know, whatever the first, uh, first article that pops up, it's always like, you know, Florida Man wrestles alligator or something like that or florida man is found with five you know pounds of cocaine or something like that yes florida man wrestles alligator that that's doesn't even make the news the, the oh, Florida yeah. florida man throws alligator through wendy's drive-thru that that one made the news um florida man no. believes is what believes his wife is a hologram uh florida florida woman stabs man with squirrel like that that's the that's the real meat and potatoes of florida man so anytime it's anything ridiculous happening in the news it's always in florida um so we do a, a double ipa called florida man and um you know it's maybe not the uh the sexiest parts of florida and florida mm-hmm. culture but you know we kind of lean into it it's uh it, it's something ridiculous about the place that we live that we really kind of embrace and lean into that's smart i think for sure because you know it's it's almost like you know we can we laugh at ourselves before you, before you do you know yeah. Oh, whatever ridiculous thing you're going to say about Florida, we've lived it. So yeah, you're, you're not going to, you're not going to shame us about Florida. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So a moment ago when I asked, you know, Hey, people have some predispositions about the U S about Florida. Like, that was my way of saying like, how do you deal with people thinking Florida is a, a hilarious joke land of fake news or sadly real news, you know? Right. Um, yeah, we kind of lean into it. I think that's the the long and short of it, but Nice. If that's all Florida was, then that's all our branding would be. But that's obviously that's not what Florida is most most of the time. So, you know, again, the whether it's the packaging, whether it's the branding, um, it's really embracing some of the less ridiculous things and some of the really charming and really uh, appealing things about Florida. You know, the the cuisine, the culture, um, Mm -hmm. the way that. you know, the Latin culture has informed a lot of Florida, the way that immigration, you know, whether it was from uh, Caribbean countries or from Germany or Italy, the way that that has really created this incredible mixture of cultures, specifically in Tampa. Um, and, and that's really tangible as you walk around the city. It's just, it's such a cool place. And for us to be able to tell the story about it is, uh, yeah, we kind of take it as an honor. So, I want to dig into that a little bit for people who maybe haven't seen the cans or don't know the story behind Highlight. Can you explain that a little bit as far as, you know, what, what those decisions are and, and why you chose certain colors or certain graphics or anything like that? Sure. So Highlight came about in a very funny way, actually. If you talk to Joey, 
um, he'll tell you when he started his brewery, the brewery that he had in mind that he said, man, I want to, I, I want to be like those guys is the brewery in California, B-R-U-E-R-Y. Mm-hmm. Um, really up until recently, they didn't have a flagship here. They were just doing 750s. Um, they just sort of said, well, we, you know, have some brands we like and we do well, but we're going to kind of brew whatever the hell we want, whenever the hell we want to brew it. Um, they never, they really for uh, the longest time weren't beholden to a single brand. Um, and I think that gave them a lot of flexibility to come up with some incredible beer. You know, uh, the first, first Berliner I ever had was their hot and rock when it, and this was 2009. No one was doing a Berliner in 2009. Um, so he, he had the brewery in mind when he started the brewery. First beer we brewed was Maduro Brown Ale and that we still brew that beer to, to this day. And the second beer we brewed was Highlight IPA and all of a sudden that beer took off in a way that nobody was expecting. And Joey being kind of a uh, nimble and, and uh, a person that can reevaluate his plan, after a few batches of Highlight and people were really losing their minds over it, he said, well, I guess I got a flagship beer now. Um, you know, and kind of I hate to keep using the phrase, but he, he leaned into it. He said, if this is what people want, then let's, let's keep making more of this. Um, you know, I haven't gotten the branding yet, but just the, the liquid itself, I, I think, is part of why people really reacted to it. Again, this is 2009 when that beer first came out. Um, Green Flash Palette Wrecker was a thing. You know, these, like, mm-hmm. bitter, bitter, resinous, 100 IBU dry hops with every sea hop you could imagine. That, that was really what IPAs were. People wanted... Clear, clear, clear IPAs. Clear and amber in color and bitter as hell. Um, yeah. Which is, and, and, and I was all about those beers too, you know, that, mm-hmm. that's sort of where IPAs were. And Wayne developed a recipe that was fruit forward, you know, a lot of tropical fruit, tangerine, clementine. Um, the bitterness was in there, but it, it really took a big back seat. And there was just enough caramel malt to kind of balance the whole thing out. Um, so there really wasn't an IPA like that when, when Highlight was released. So I think that's part of what consumers really started to engage with and react with. And then the can, uh, the original can, the whole background was hops. Everything was green. It, it, literally, literally the whole wrap on the can was, was pictures of hops. So that kind of, I think, got your consumers excited because back then and still to this day, obviously, IPA is such a huge uh, segment of the, the craft craft sales. So um, between the green and the hops on there and then the, the rest of the writing, the, re- the rest of the logo and everything on that was bright orange. So, you know, your mind obviously goes to orange and citrus. And again, that kind of ties into Florida and Florida's citrus industry and citrus history. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think we really from, and the can's gone through some uh, refining in the last few years, but I think the green is something that people associate with hops. Consumers see green, and, you know, Sierra Nevada's done a really good job of uh, training consumers to see green and think hops for, what, 30 years now. Um, yeah. And then having that orange in there it kind of makes, you, makes your brain go towards citrus. And then on the back, we really explained what highlight is, why we named the beer highlight, how it relates to Florida history and Tampa history. So, um, you know, again, it, it took some refining, and it wasn't a home run right out of the gate, but I think that can really kind of help. It, it's an incredible tool to tell that story. That's, yeah, that's that's awesome, and it's interesting, you know, to kind of think about how even a color can be significant on on a beer. I think, you know, there's 
we, you know, we've talked a little bit about the show on, you know, how can art has become more and more prevalent, um, especially with a lot of the tall boys that are coming out um, with the with the larger cans. Um, but I think something, you know, even a very very simple design, I, I don't think people realize how much thought and uh, scrutiny <laughs> these cans go under before they're released. Yeah, it's uh, we we did a full refresh on our cans about two years ago. And it took months and months and months of back and forth on the design, on the colors, on um, the content on the side of the can. It, uh, it's the majority of our beer is being consumed out of the can, so it, it's it's hugely critical. Um, and then not all, you can't look at the stuff in a vacuum either. You really kind of have to imagine how that six-pack is going to look sitting on a supermarket shelf or sitting in a bottle shop. Um, it's uh, it's not easy, and it it we actually contracted with a uh, uh, marketing and design firm to help us come up with those cans. So it really was us guiding the conversation, and then this uh, outside company kind of saying, "Well, um, what if you look at it this way? What if we tweak it that way?" So I'm I'm glad we had I'm glad we had a, an outside company that doesn't have the emotional investment in the can or in the design that we all internally did. Does that make sense? Yeah, someone can look at it objectively and say, right. okay, let's, you know, let's look big picture and, you know, hope, hopefully this, you know, outside firm also works with, you know, people outside of the beer world so they weren't kind of in that bubble. Right, right. So, you know, because I think that that even kind of, you when you go, I feel like I've, thankfully I've never had to design a beer before, but <laughs> when you go to, to do that, I think you, you automatically kind of start thinking about, you know, what other people have done. Um, I think that informs some of your decisions, whether, you know, subconsciously or not. Yeah, well, certainly. Um, we're, we're trying to reinvent the wheel with the can because it is, we wanted it to be familiar, but we wanted consumers to really um, feel like we were what we were doing was deliberate and purposeful. Um, but again, highlight that over 65% of our sales uh, nationally and internationally is highlight. So that can specifically, like we kind of said, don't screw this up because if we screw this up, then that's going to be that's going to be bad news. Yeah, pressure pressure is definitely on for that one. <laughs> right. Uh, so anything uh, new on the horizon for Cigar City that you're able to share publicly? Um, you know, we're fine-tuning our 2020 calendar right now. I'm really, really excited about some of the newer brands that are going to be uh, launching. This mm-hmm. is sort of a uh, spoiler alert. It's been kind of leaking out a little bit. But actually, even before 2020, we're going to be introducing a new year-round brand that's Margarita Goza. So mm-hmm. it's a 4 to- 4.2% Goza with orange, lime, and salt. Um, we've done it for about five years. Actually, we developed the recipe originally as a five-year anniversary beer, um, and we've kind of trickled it in on draft and in uh, very small can releases here and there, but um, every time we roll it out, people really lose their minds over it. And internally, you know, that's when the brewers get off from, again, that non-air-conditioned brew deck, and they've been sweating their asses off all day, they want a low-alcohol, tart, refreshing beer. So... And, you know, again, we're in Florida. We've got plenty of warm weather and plenty of uh, hot and sticky days. So that Margarita Goes, I think, is something that's going to be – we're, we're all anticipating it being pretty well-received out in the market. And that's one I'm really, really excited about. You know, that's, that's – uh, when it's put in the cans and those small releases, I usually stock up and fill the fridge up. Oh, yeah. No, I'm – that sounds that sounds amazing. I'm sitting here in Virginia 
it's like 95 degrees at, you know, 9.30 in the morning, so I'm already, yeah, I could go for one of those right now, easy. Yeah, um, <laughs> the hot weather is uh, <laughs> pretty brutal down there. I'm not from Florida originally, so I'm still getting used to these, you know, 95 degree and 90% humidity days, but it's like six months. It's it's a lot, but um, you know it's uh it it just makes drinking a goza or drinking a really good pilsner or drinking even just a really good IPA it makes it even more enjoyable, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, that that's something we're all really excited about. Hopefully, that'll be seeing uh, nationwide distribution. Hopefully, in the next few months. So we're getting that dialed in. Um, other than that, you know, trying to get more beer to more markets. Um, you know, we. We want to make sure that we're getting as much high-quality beer out to as many people as possible. Um, we've been incredibly fortunate to have people in Wyoming and have people in Oregon State kind of reach out and say, hey, you know, I had your beer while I was on vacation. Where can I get it? And, well, you know, you can't get it anywhere around you right now, but we're working on it. Um, so hopefully just getting some more highlight and some more Florida Cracker and some more uh, – fly bear citra pale ale into more people's hands around the country and around the world. It's, uh, it's incredible. I, I've been with the company five years and to go from a company that was making about uh, 45,000 barrels when I started and 98% mm-hmm. of it was sold just in the state of Florida to now being able to go to Sweden and find high lie, pretty fresh high lie too in the, in the grand scheme of things on a shelf in Sweden. Um, it's incredible. So we're, we're incredibly fortunate and we're just trying to make, the best beer we can and get it out to as many people as we can. That's awesome. That's a great, that is to be a big sense of pride for you, for sure. Yeah, ab- yeah. absolutely. It's, uh, it's, it's been a fun ride. <laughs> well, Neil, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, listeners, this has been Neil Callahan. He's the brand manager at Cigar City Brewing in Tampa, Florida. I'm your host, Sarah Jane. This is Beer Me on the Road, where we go a different place every week throughout the summer. Uh, feel free to reach out on Instagram at BeerMeRadio or via Gmail, um, BeerMeRadio at gmail.com. Uh, thank you all, and we'll see you next week. Cheers. Cheers.